have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to grab your Bibles or look with me on the screen. We're going to look at the book of Matthew, chapter 13. I've got a word specifically for dads, but this is also a word that applies to the church at large and applies to the church as it relates to our faithfulness as a people to continue to bring his kingdom to the world and the spheres that he's called us to. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 13, and I've got just a little story here to preface this, this with. It was probably about three weeks ago at men's prayer on a Wednesday morning at 6 a.m., and, and yes, that is a very strategic plug for all of our men to join us on Wednesday mornings in Mod Q at 6 a.m., I get there as much as I can. Can't get there every Wednesday, but I do like to get there as much as I can. And at this particular morning of prayer, almost just prompted by the Spirit spontaneously, I began praying this particular verse here in Matthew chapter 30 and praying specifically over and for the men of this house that we would be rooted men, that we would be men that are rooted. And then just by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that played out in a lot of different ways. Rooted as men with our families, rooted in our marriages, rooted in our sexuality, in our purity, rooted in a locality, rooted in our jobs, and just this just went on and went on. And then it just began to catch steam, and a number of other guys caught on to that. We began praying into that. I brought that into staff prayer that same morning, and it, and it, and it just seemed to me that the Lord was highlighting this particular character quality of being a people that are deeply rooted. And so I want to talk today for a few minutes about becoming a rooted person. Becoming a rooted person. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to begin at verse 20. And I encourage you, if you're not familiar with this particular parable, to read this on your own, it's a very foundational parable, and it's a fascinating parable that's really centered around uh, planting seeds and the condition of soil that receives those seeds. I'm actually picking up this particular parable in the explanation. So the beginning of Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells the parable, and then he pulls his disciples away, and then he begins to explain the parable to them. And so I'm picking this up on the explanation. Verse 20 Jesus says, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word of God and at once receives it with joy. I think many of us can relate to that. Times when, whether when we were younger, or we went on a mission trip, or we went to a summer camp, or we had a conference that we were a part of, something that took place and there was a charged environment and we were highly receptive, and there was a high level of emotion that went along with that. And we received the word with joy. We were excited. We had a lot of ideas on what we were going to do and how our lives are going to change. Look at verse 21. It says, but since they have no root, this is the NIV I'm reading out of. It says, since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, they quickly fall away. I want to look at that phrase in the New American Standard. The New American Standard actually says in verse 21, it says, Yet he has no firm root in himself. Now there's an important distinction for us to make here. And the distinction here is Jesus is not saying that the seed 
did not get firmly rooted in the soil. It's not what he's saying. He is saying that the man or the person in this particular parable, because Jesus is actually describing four different kinds of the condition of heart. And he makes this analogy, he draws this metaphor of using soil. But he says, the soil is actually your heart. And if it's your heart, it's referring to types of people. And in this particular type of person, he says, this particular type of person is a person who is not rooted in himself or herself. There are people that you and I know and you see the fruit or you see the byproduct of a lack of a rooted life. And you see that. You see them maybe bouncing around from one place to another. You see maybe that uh, they have a hard time uh, showing up on time. They have a hard time uh, keeping their commitments. I know that at times in my formation, there was this awful character quality that I had where I would be hesitant to commit to something because I always wanted to make sure that if something better came along, that I, I, I was just freed up. And a lot of times that bit me because I ended up not committing to anything and losing out on a lot of opportunities. And then sometimes, years ago, I would commit to something and actually break commitments because something better along did come along. And I wasn't a rooted man. I wasn't rooted in myself. I wasn't rooted in my character. We see this in our culture the great epidemic of fathers or the lack thereof with their families. And what we see here is we see that generationally and even culturally now, there is a veering away from the value. There, there, was, there was a time when we as a people, when we held to a value, a moral value that if you give a man your word, then they knew that you were going to come through with that. And in certain rural communities where that moral fiber and that moral code is still held to, you can still see that. We don't have to sign documents. If I shake my hand with you, you know I'm going to come through. And now we can look at a generation that has grown up, grown up not seeing the fidelity and the faithfulness of fathers, not seeing the fidelity and the faithfulness of people at large. And I think that we could really do a, a case study on what happens when the foundation of a society begins to erode in its faithfulness. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. I think there's a principle in the kingdom and there's a principle to life that's revealed and maybe even in some ways hidden. It, it bears for some greater discovery here in Isaiah 11, 1. And this is speaking of Jesus, but I think there is a kingdom principle that's hidden here, and it says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. This is speaking of Jesus. And it says, from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The principle here, very simply, is we hear a lot of times that you'll know a man by his fruit, and if I'm reading this correctly and understanding this correctly, you'll actually know a person by their roots. Because your roots will determine what your fruit is. As a man or as a woman, as a person, as a child of God, what is happening 
on the interior level, what is happening on the heart level, what is happening on the unseen, silent, subterranean foundation level that everything else is growing out of, that will actually determine who you are and what you're known by. I found this book, actually I found it last week and I devoured it because I would say about 90% of this book is reflecting things that have just been churning in my heart for years. And the reason I say 90% is because I think the author takes some of these ideas and just takes them a little bit further than I would go with them, but 90% of that book, maybe even 95, I would just hand to anybody in this church and say, if you read this book, you, you really have a window into some of the things that God is forming and building in this house. The name of the book is called Subterranean. Subterranean. And the caption of the book is why the future of the church is rootedness. I saw that and I, I just had to pick it up. And when I, when I began getting into the content and into some of the premises of this book, especially as it relates to the church's relationship to the kingdom of God and the church's role in bringing the kingdom to the earth, man, I'm telling you, there are some things there that I, I just, I wish I could articulate the way that this author did. The author's name is Dan White Jr. And I'm going to read a couple of thoughts here that this author says. And in this author's um, writings, he actually maps out, I think, some really good nuances to what fidelity and faithfulness and rootedness look like. So I'm going to read some, some, some thoughts to you. Number one, he says, fidelity is the tap root of rootedness for the kingdom person. The tap root. What a tap root is, is with, with every tree or with every major strong bush, there's one predominant root that drives straight down into the ground. Now, there's a number of roots that branch out from that, but there is one root known as the tap root, and that's the one that anchors itself and draws the majority of its nutrients from the soil. And what this author is saying is that fidelity, the character, the virtue, the, the quality of being a person of faithfulness and fidelity is actually the taproot of the entire kingdom. That's, that's a big statement. And he says here, he says, fidelity was the essential marker relationally of the early church. That when you looked at the early church, the way that you could identify that those guys were who those guys were, they weren't, they weren't some pagan group, they weren't just Romans, they weren't just some you know, ragtag group that was thrown together, they were Christians. Remember the scripture says they were identified first as Christians at Antioch. And here, through, through history and through the scriptures, we can actually look at the people of God and say, because of their faithfulness to God and to one another and their faithfulness to a geographic location that marked them, those guys are the people of God. And I'm going to show you here how faithfulness and love actually work very closely together. Because many people would say, well, I would say that love would actually characterize the people of God. And I would say, yes, but culturally, we've got a lot of differing definitions of love and I'm here to say that fidelity is actually one of the fruits and the work and the byproduct of love. That if you ever have any question, do you love me or do you not? Well, if, you're, if you stick with me, 
with unfailing loyalty and you're willing to lay down your life and pay a sacrifice, then I know that you love me, not just because of what happens in a moment of euphoric emotion and feeling. Number two, he says, faithfulness was the primary signpost of the early church that bonded God's people together in adversity and persecution. I like that. I like that because faithfulness has a quality to it that actually draws you closer when the pressure increases. The way that you know whether or not a person is growing or if they're rooted in their fidelity is check out what happens when pressure is applied. When pressure is applied. Marriage is an incredible laboratory because in marriage, there is a pressure that is applied. It's the pressure of differing opinions. It's the pressure of each party's immaturity. It could be the pressure of a financial or economic downfall. How, now that this pressure is applied, is it going to deepen the taproot of loyalty and fidelity and faithfulness one with another, or is it going to expose the weakness of our fidelity one to another and drive us apart? Children actually have a powerful ability to reveal our faithfulness. Especially in the 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. window of time, they reveal something that's within us. They're relentless. They're relentless. They're constant. The demand, the need, the tug, the pull, it is constant. And what can happen if we allow it is we can allow children by the power of God to teach us how to say no to ourselves and how to form faithfulness to those that are around us and to those that are outside of us. Number three, he says, fidelity is the concept of unfailing loyalty and putting that loyalty into practice regardless of the pressing circumstances. It is unfailing loyalty. It is putting that loyalty into practice regardless of the pressing circumstances. And there will always be pressing circumstances, whether that be game seven of the NBA finals or whether that be things at work or whether that be, I just wanna, I wanna, I wanna just, I wanna decompress. I wanna disconnect. I wanna disengage. I wanna have some me time or whether it be things that need to be done around the house, there will always be pressing circumstances that put our loyalty to one another, to God, and to our family, and to our community, to the test. Here's a couple of the thoughts that he writes. Faithfulness exposes our love for what it is. Faithfulness. Now, if we had time, we could go into the power of covenant and we can go into the purpose of marriage. I sat down with a young couple that came to Christy and me for some counsel a number of years ago. And the man, or the young man, should I say, was very passionate about the idea of he and this young lady living together for a season. And at this time, I think they were dating for about five years maybe six, high school sweethearts, gone through college together. And so we have a young woman here who is looking for this right here. She's looking for love 
expressed through faithfulness. And here's the rest of this quote. Faithfulness exposes our love for what it is, either mere sentimentality or faithful commitment to a long course laden with obstacles. I'm gonna read that one more time. Faithfulness exposes our love for what it is. It will either be mere sentimentality or faithful commitment to a long course that is laden with obstacles. Do you know why under the Christian idea of of establishing covenant between man and a woman, why that is preliminary to just, let's just live together, let's just experience the benefits of covenant? It's this right here. If you wanna know if a man loves you, he will wait for you. If you wanna know if a man loves you, he will work, he will be patient, he will not pressure, and he will commit to you. And he will commit to a long course that is laden with obstacles. And we can change the scenario. We can talk about life groups. We can talk about missions teams. We can talk about your assignment vocationally in the city. We can talk about the city. And many of you guys have heard my story that for the first five years that I was here, I hated, I hated being here. And I wanted to leave. And every opportunity that popped up, I was looking for an opportunity to leave. And this happened on a six-month cyclical rotation that I was kind of just looking for opportunities to leave because of pressure. Because the weakness of my immaturity was being exposed by the heat of pressure. And every time I would go and have a conversation with the Lord, he would say, son, you're called to be here. This is where I have called you. I've called you to this geolocality. I've called you to this people. And I'll never forget, I remember six months before Christy and I, probably about nine months before Christy and I assumed the leadership here, the senior level leadership of this house. I went and I had a conversation with the Lord about an opportunity that was at another church in another state. And the Lord, I felt in my spirit say this, son, no, and we're not talking about this anymore. (laughs) Be rooted. That's what the father was saying to me, be rooted and realize that anything relationally that requires commitment will be laden with obstacles. Here's another statement he makes. Faithfulness is the choice to say no to ourselves and enter into surrendered commitment with others. Faithfulness. How do you know when you're walking in faithfulness? How do you know when you're rooted in faithfulness? Well, you can just take inventory of how often you're saying no to you and you're laying yourself down in surrendered commitment to others. And this is where we begin to understand that the nature and the quality of covenant relationship requires sacrifice because commitment requires sacrifice. Look at this verse here in Proverbs chapter 20, verse six. Proverbs 20, verse six. I'll let you thumb through your Bibles to find there. It says, many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. Many person claims, I love you. I love you. You know, as a pastor, you see a lot of different people. And even as a youth pastor, And starting about 20 years ago when I first got involved in youth ministry, 
and throughout the years, I would see this. I'd see people come in and go, oh my goodness, this place is exactly what I've been praying for. This place is the place I've been looking for. I love this place, this first night. First night they'd show up at a service, or first Sunday morning they'd show up at a service, and they're just excited, and i say, okay, that's awesome. i say, I'll tell you what, why don't you just come four weeks in a row? Just come four weeks in a row, and then we can talk about all the amazing things uh, that you can do and that this church can do and all that stuff that can happen. Never see them again. Never see them again. Because right here, many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. The quality of your love will be revealed by the quality of your commitment. The quality of your love will be revealed by the quality of your commitment. Well, let's look at the scriptures here. Let's take a look at some of the things the scriptures say. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3. Proverbs 3, 3. The Bible says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Isn't it interesting how they connect these two concepts of love and faithfulness? Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Look at who the onus is on. It's on you. Faithfulness doesn't just leave you. Love doesn't just leave you. It says you make sure, you fight to make sure that love never leaves you. Hold on to it. Grasp it. Relationally, we can see this all the time. Particularly in a church, we can see this all the time. We can see how easy it is to let love and faithfulness in a relationship just drift away. Isn't that right? Offenses will come. Disappointments will happen. They are inevitable on a family level, on a social level, on a societal level, on a church level. And here's what the wise man of God is saying. You gotta fight to make sure that love never leaves you. You gotta fight to make sure that faithfulness doesn't just drift away from you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. You know, it's interesting that the scriptures also talk about writing the word on the tablet of your heart. So here we have this correlation of writing the word on the tablet of our heart and writing faithfulness and love on the tablet of our heart. And the same muscle that is exercised, spiritually speaking, to become people of God, to become people of love and faithfulness, work for both. In fact, the process of learning how to write his word in our heart actually develops the muscle of love and faithfulness one with another and vice versa. Write love and faithfulness on the tablet of your heart and then you'll win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. I wanna talk here just for our closing minutes here on very, very practical ways that we can grow roots in ourselves. We're gonna look at some scriptures and then we're just gonna get just very, very practical in our closing minutes Number one, how we can grow roots in ourself. Learn to become rooted in Christ. Rooted in Christ. And I'm looking at Colossians chapter two, verse six through seven. And I don't know if anyone else would join me on this, but I am really hot up here. So if we could make it a little bit cooler, that would be my one Father's Day request. I'd be a, I'd be a happy father. Colossians chapter two, verse six says, so then 
Just, look at that, I just kicked on. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Continue, continue to live in him. Now this is amazing because what it, what it tells us is that salvation and life in the kingdom and the victorious life and the faithful life and, and, and being a part of the people of God, being the church of God, it's not a one-time decision. It's not a one-moment activity. So he says, just as you received Christ, continue in him. Live in him. Live this life now of faithfulness in him. Look at verse seven. Rooted and built up in him. This tells me that we actually can participate with the rooting process. That roots are not something that just happen on their own, not in the Christian life, not in the Christian life. I know that there are some plants out there, man, you just put them in the ground and you just let nature and you let sun and you let rain do what it does and you never have to worry about them and man, praise God for those. But the Christian life is not like that. The Christian life is a series of daily decisions and with every one of those decisions where we say no to us, yes to God, no to us, yes to one another, when we choose the beauty of surrendered commitment, our roots grow just a little bit deeper. Do you know how you become a rooted man at 40, 50, 60, into the rest of your life? On a daily basis, you make choices that reflect the faithful commitment that you have made to others, to your work, to time, to God, to a people, it is part of the design of God. And we can't miss this, guys. Listen, it is a part of the design of God for your maturation and for my maturation to be knit to a people. It is part of the design of God that in the, in the, in the ecosystem of my growth and development, it is more than just a personal relationship with God that matters. In fact, emphasis, and this is all in this book, is brilliant, emphasis on my personal relationship with God when gone unchecked in the accountability of the people of God causes me to turn God into someone who just exists for my desires. We must learn to be rooted in a people, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. This is not coincidental. This is not coincidental. First, he says you have to continue in Christ, and then you're rooted in Christ, and then you're built up in Christ, and then he says you'll be strengthened in the faith. Strengthened in the faith. How do we develop a life and a lifestyle that when tragedy and crisis and unexpected things and disappointments and setbacks, when those things hit us, how do we develop a life where we can be strong in the faith and overflowing with thankfulness in all seasons? Rooted and built up in him. The daily lifestyle of choosing faithfulness to God and one another strengthens our root systems produces strength of faith 
in times of crisis. Number two, we're to be rooted in the word of God. Rooted in the word. We find this in Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, who does not stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on the word day and night. Watch this, verse three. That person is like a tree planted. We could also use the word rooted. There's something about a daily diet, a daily relationship, There's something about a a living and growing relationship. And now let's just take condemnation off of us. I'm, I'm not here to say that if you're not, you know, reading your Bible every day, what I'm saying is a lifestyle of consistent interaction with the words of God. There's something about a consistent interaction with the words of God beyond a Sunday morning or beyond a life group or beyond a a weekly Bible study that roots you. It puts, it helps to form the root structure and the root system in your heart and in your spirit. He's like a man that is planted by streams of water. You know, me and some buddies of mine, we like to go out and we like to, backpack at least once a year. And next to that, I just love taking day hikes. I love camping. I just love being outdoors. And I I particularly love the river. There's just something about the sound of the movement of the river that uh, it it just makes me come alive. And many times on our trails and on different hikes, you'll see these massive trees that are built up on the banks of these rivers. And you can actually see the roots through the clear water, go down into underneath those rivers. And you just look at them and you're like, those things aren't going anywhere because it is constant nourishment. It is constant revitalization. It is constant cleansing. It is constant rejuvenation. And it's constantly driving those roots deeper into the soil. And that is what the scriptures say. When we develop this love relationship with the words of God, it has that same effect in our lives of creating roots in ourselves. And here's one of the reasons why I believe it is because the word confronts our lack of faithfulness. If we will allow it, the word of God confronts our egocentricity, it confronts our narcissism, it confronts our selfishness, it confronts our love for pleasure, and it calls us higher. And if we will bathe ourselves in the word and if we will eat on the diet of the word on a regular basis, we'll be continually confronted with how we're conforming to ourselves and not being transformed into the likeness of the faithful one. It's in looking at the scriptures that we see God is a faithful God and it calls us higher into that way of life. Number three, we're to be rooted in love. It's what the scripture says that not only are we to be rooted in Christ and rooted in his word, but the scripture is very clear that we're to be rooted in the love of God. Ephesians chapter three, look at verse 16 through 19 with me. In Ephesians three sixteen through 19. I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through the spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now look at this, I pray that you being rooted Rooted in love. 
rooted in love. And that's not just a, a feeling. Paul is saying, I am praying that you would be deeply rooted in the love of God for you. And I'm praying that you would be deeply rooted in the love of God for others. Root yourself in that. Guys, this is something you can pray over your life. This is something on a daily basis you can take inventory of. Today, was I rooted in the love of God? Today, did I choose others or did I choose myself? And we all, on a daily basis, have opportunities. From our neighbor to our coworker to our wife to our husband to our children, we all have moments when we're choosing ourselves or we're choosing the way of love for someone else. Last thing the scriptures speak to is they say, basically, that we can be rooted in the body. And this is where I want to end here in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 11 through 16. Be rooted in the body. Be rooted in a people. Ephesians 4.11 says, So Christ gave himself, or Christ himself gave, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people, to equip his people. Notice that all the language here is plural. Christ has given us these gifts so that a people could be formed and that a people could be equipped for a work of service or ministry unto God so that the body of Christ, all of us, may be built up. So we have these grace gifts that are given so that we could be strengthened and that we could function in our ministry so that we could be built up. Not so that my ministry, my ministry could be built up, not so that my ministry could flourish, but so that we could be built up. So when every one of us have the courage and when every one of us have the commitment and every one of us grow in our love to find our work of ministry and to engage in our work of ministry, something subversively happens. We get built up, every one of us. And it doesn't matter what it is that we're doing. If we all find it and follow it and be faithful to it, a root structure system happens over a period of time. Verse 13, we, we would be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed to and fro, back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Let me just make a very quick note on this. We are more susceptible to heretical teaching when we're not rooted in a people. I'm all for podcasts. I love them. I'm all for conferences. I bless them. But I will say that there is a dynamic of strength that when you are rooted together in a people, it protects you from false teaching. It is the biblical way it always has been. When there are people that are coming and knocking on my door saying, hey, you said X, Y, and Z, and I'm not really sure about that. Or you're in a light, you're in a small group community or a life group community, and you hear somebody, you know, say, well, I think what the scriptures mean. No, it's not what you think the scriptures mean. It's what the scriptures mean. And so are you going to stay rooted in enough and let us confront 
what you think the scriptures mean and allow us to help you and allow you to help us conform to what the scriptures actually mean, not what you think they mean or want them to mean. That happens when you are committed to a people. It's how it happens. It's one primary way that it happens. Look at verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love. Now look at the primary verse, look at the previous verse right here. Blown here and there, every wind and wave of teaching, cunning craftiness, deceitful scheming. Instead, when you allow there to be a rooted relationship with people and you give them the permission to speak the truth in love. Who have you given permission to speak the truth in love to you? Who have you given permission to speak the truth in love to your heart? And if you don't have anyone outside of your spouse and your family that you have given permission to speak the truth in love, friend, I would like to submit to you that there's probably some root structures that God wants to build into your life. And they may not say it the right way. They may not do it the right way. They may offend you. In fact, I want to change that into a very definitive word. They will offend you. But commitment is built on the other side of working through your offense when you give people the permission to speak the truth in love. And it is a permission. It is a permission. And those of you who are speaking the truth in love, find that permission. Ask for that permission. We will grow. You want to know how you grow? By giving people the permission to speak the truth in love. You know how you grow? By choosing to speak the truth in love and not talking about that person to someone else. That's how you grow. You don't grow just on the front row of a worship set. You grow when you push past the fear and you ask God for courage and you fight for the relationship and you say, this matters. The body of Christ matters. The family of God matters. The people of God matter. The root structure matters. I'm going to risk. And I, because I, guys, listen, I hear it, I hear it all. Well, I'm not going to say anything because I just know what they're going to do. No, you don't. You don't know what they're going to say anyways. You think you know what they're going to do anyways, and you're convinced that they're just going to ignore you and reject you, so you choose the easy way out of not having a difficult conversation. That's what you're doing. Or you write an email, and then you leave. That's not rootedness. That's not rootedness. If someone offends you, go to your brother. And here's the thing, guys. At the end of the day, it... If they ignore you, if they reject you, if they don't listen to you, you were faithful. You were faithful to the thing that you were called to do by God in the formation of God's people. Can't tell you how many things have been built into me by difficult conversations. Fighting for relationship, choosing to not run, abandon, flee. Our mission statement is, as a kingdom family, we awaken, equip, and send people to transform cities, regions, and nations. And there will be no transformation without rootedness.
Transplantation does not equal transformation. It has to be rooted. Be rooted in a people. And here's how I just want to close. This is my word to all the fathers. Fathers and mothers. Proverbs 13.22 says that a good person leaves an inheritance for his children's children. That inheritance is more than just money. It's more than houses and cars and possessions and things. Do you know that you can actually leave an inheritance of being a rooted person? You can leave an inheritance. There is something psychologically that is established in the heart of a child when a mother and a father fight to the end and they stay together. And there is something psychologically, socially, emotionally, and this is not to put regret or hurt or harm or anything on anyone's hearts. I'm just stating a very natural social principle that when a mother and a father, the foundation of covenant in the, heart, in the mind of a child, their first experience and exposure to what covenant is, is that mom and that dad. And when it's broken, and when it's broken, it is, there's something deep in the heart of a human being that is forever fractured until God heals it. He can heal it. There is the hope in that. He can heal it. But I'm here to let you know it is not without its collateral damage. So fathers today, you can leave an inheritance of being a rooted man. Trees do not produce fruit when they're constantly uprooted and planted in different places. You wanna leave the fruit of a godly life as an inheritance to your children, commit to someone and commit to something that's outside of yourself, that doesn't benefit you at all and say, I'm gonna be faithful to the end. And you know what'll happen? If family by family, if father by father, if church by church and city by city do this, over the long process of the church's faithfulness to little things like rootedness, we will see sustainable revival in communities. I think that what we've done is that we have, we have, we have all but ignored the difficult long-term work that goes into sustainable transformation. And now what we do is we wanna shortcut it with large gatherings of prayer. I just basically said that transformation is a long, long, hard, intentional, sacrificial work. And if we're not careful, we'll ignore that work because it is difficult and it doesn't yield sensational rewards. And we'll substitute that for just mass gatherings of 100,000 people in arena. That in and of itself does not sustain national or regional or local or friends, even personal transformation. It comes from the difficult work of choosing fidelity in the pressure and being rooted. Let's stand to our feet this morning. I know that we're 
we're past 12 and many of you are ready to get to Texas Roadhouse and and I bless that. And so in so blessing that, here's what I'm gonna say. Anybody who needs to take off right now, please take off. I'm gonna come to the table of the Lord and I'm gonna officiate the table of the Lord. And I'm gonna come to the covenant keeping God. And I'm gonna come to the table where God formed a family out of his faithfulness. And I'm gonna pray that God would make us a faithful people. And anyone who wants to join me at that, you can join me or it's probably gonna be another five minutes or so. If you need to take off, I bless you, especially if you're a father today, I bless you. And so in fact, let me do this. Let me just pray a blessing for all of our fathers. Anyone who needs to leave, I'm gonna just bless that. Anyone who wants to stay and partake of the table with me, uh, I bless you to do that too. So Father, if you're, if you're a dad here, just have all of our moms, let's have all of our kids, let's just rally around our dads. And I just pray today that the blessing of the Lord to be f- a faithful father would be upon you. That there would be a grace that arises within you to confront even cycles and patterns of infidelity in your life or even in your parents or your grandparents, but that something would settle deep inside of you that a root of faithfulness. And I speak over you today, men, that you are faithful men formed in the image of a faithful God with Jesus Christ, the faithful witness as your elder brother and your groom. I declare you are faithful. Faithful at your work, faithful in your sexuality, faithful in your purity, faithful in your commitment to God, faithful to your family, faithful in the midst of pressure and adversity and even persecution and opposition. I bless you today, men of God, to be rooted in faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.